My name is Bill Jay, and I am talking to you from Tempe, Arizona. When I saw a bunch of photographs which I didn't understand, uh, then I would contact the photographer. memory is that it was just a ring at the door, you, you know, and suddenly there was this guy. I came into the room, I looked the guy up and down and said, hmm, this is an interesting character. The reason I accepted your offer to be included here is because I hold the guy in such high regard. I personally think he's the most interesting writer there's been on photography. He owed a lot of money and um, he just got out of everything. He escaped. He was a lone voice in America. He was a beacon of hope, really. He was an evangelist. Bill was a catalyst for all of us. He was the flame that started it all. The meaning of that is unintelligible, and so it should be. My name is Grant Scott, and this is In Search of Bill J. Well, hello and welcome back to The Shed. Welcome back to In Search of Bill J. The search continues and we've reached the end of 1969, as you'll know if you listened to the previous episode. In fact, we're at January 1970. Now, the next few years for Bill start to get very complicated. Lots of projects start to overlap, lots of stories start to get told, and I think sometimes memory gets a little bit confused. We've spoken about this in previous episodes as to how memory can play tricks. So it's really important, I think, to go back to the original source. I spoke in a previous episode about a book written by Jerry Badger and how he'd got some facts wrong, particularly concerning Colin Osman, Bill Jay and the birth of Creative Camera magazine. Well, in the same piece of writing, he also makes some suggestions that Album magazine was started by Bill and David Hearn. Well, that's not true either. I'm about to prove to you what the facts were and what the reality is. So this episode is all about one magazine. It's all about the great album magazine. Just a few issues made it out. They're collectible. And if you can find any on eBay or anywhere else, I really recommend you check them out. But that's enough of me talking. Let's hear directly from Bill. Well, not actually Bill's audio, but from a piece of text that he wrote for a presentation he gave. In fact, the last talk he gave in England, in the UK, in 2004. I'm going to read it for Bill. And it says this. Following my ouster from Creative Camera, the cosmic kaleidoscope had been shaken and the fragments were realigning themselves into a new pattern. The most important new element was Tristram Powell. He was a BBC television director and producer, son of the novelist Anthony Powell. I did not know of that at the time. I presumed that when he telephoned, he wanted me to see his photographs or publicise his latest movie. Over lunch, he made a remarkable offer. He had £4,000 to lose and wanted to sink it in a fine photographic journal. Was I interested? I was ecstatic. 
Over many meetings, I came to respect Tristram for his intellect, generosity and cultivated demeanour. He advised, never controlled, and he was the perfect socially privileged gentleman of the arts to my working class aggression. He has never received due acknowledgement for all his quiet, behind-the-scenes activism during this volatile period in British photography. We were joined, I should say, by Aidan Ellis. Do you remember him from a previous episode at Creative Camera? A young accountant at Colin Osmond's publishing company, whose job would be to keep track of the money, an aspect of publishing with which I had little interest and even less acumen. Incidentally, I recently scanned the Articles of Association, which formed album, incorporated on the 21st of January 1970, and noticed to my surprise that the only shareholders were Tristram and Aidan. I was not included, although for all these years I had presumed I was an equal partner, which just indicates how much attention I paid to the business side of things. By now I was fully engrossed in preparing the first issue. At this point, I received a remarkable offer from another backer who promised a far more financially secure future for me and for Album. I declined. I had already committed myself to Tristram and Aidan. Do I have regrets even now? Yes. I felt I was doing the honourable thing by keeping a promise made, but in my heart of hearts I wonder what could have been. We moved Album into a cheap, damp basement featuring flaky plaster and exposed pipes at 70 Princedale Road, London, W11. It was furnished with old benches, stores, a typewriter, and most important of all, a stuffed couch and a five-gallon jug of rough cider, more frequently used by the local tramps and our guests. Actually, one filthy old regular became a pretty astute judge of photographs, and we often included him in our editorial meetings. Mix in a constant flow of young photographers' volunteers, visiting European-American photographers, local street people, and the basement bustled with hippie life. Upstairs, also just beginning, were Oz magazine and Time Out magazine and other underground activities. Down the road was John Cowan's studio, in which Antonioni filmed much of Blow Up. Around the corner was Holland Park, in which we picnicked among pot-smoking guitarists and girls dancing in flowing robes. We were at home. Now, what is interesting is that that backer with more money was somebody that David Hearn had found to help and support Bill. But it never took place. It never began. I know this because David Hearn told me, and he also gave me the information as to who that backer was. And I agree with David. It would have been a better bet. But why don't we hear from Tristram about his understanding of how he got involved with Bill and Album Magazine. I, I was very struck by uh, Creative Camera, the magazine that, that he, that Bill edited, and I got in touch with Bill and, um, and said, let's meet. And it, it so happened that at that point, Bill was wanting to start a magazine, a sort of high-quality photography magazine, which he would have total control of, 
and um, which would be to a much higher standard photographically than um, than Creative Camera was. Although Creative Camera had great sort of things going for it and great energy, I thought. Anyway, it, that was just one of those fortunate um, coincidences, you know. It was just uh, that 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 I came along and um, I put two thousand pounds up to get it going. Let us not forget at this point that Bill told us it was £4,000. Trestrum is now telling us £2,000. Maybe one of the figures was correct, but as I often say, memory can certainly play tricks on you. Anyway, back to Trestrum. Bill, well, uh, hugely enthusiastic and energetic. Um, Perhaps not the greatest when it came to organisation and administration and the running of something but but uh, 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 he was he was a very creative editor and enthusiasm carried him a long way and of course um a lot of the the, the deal was for photographers well uh you know we're going to publish your your photographs in this beautiful magazine and they will be they will be lovingly produced um, to to as high a standard as we can make it, but we're not paying you. It was a funny old quirky magazine, in a way, very much Bill's, Bill's enthusiasms and interests. I didn't necessarily think they all the, 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 the chosen photographers were great, but I gave. I thought Bill should have complete freedom of choice. A lot of them were very good. Already, it's clear to see why Bill liked Tristram as a publisher rather than uh, working under Colin. Colin had some feeling that he was paying for everything and therefore he should have input as to what was in the magazine. That's what Bill wrote in an obituary he wrote for Colin, uh, requested by the Photo Historian magazine, a magazine put together by the Royal Photographic Society. Anyway, we're getting an idea now that Tristram let Bill do what he wanted to do. Let's hear more from Tristram. I'm finding this fascinating. I was just the uh, the kind of patron, really, in a sense. The Arts Council set up a a photography, also a photography department, and I was chairman of the panel that dished out money to applicants for projects and promoted the um, gallery, the setting up of galleries like the Photographer's Gallery uh, in London and other ones too across the country. Uh, sums were, were, were given towards these galleries. Um, so, so all that was kind of happening. It's really interesting to hear how involved Tristram was, not only in the funding and being a patron of Album Magazine and a patron of Bill, really, but in other areas, in photography across the UK at that time. He was obviously a central figure. Meanwhile, at the magazine... In Bill's own words, there never seemed to be a shortage of willing young photographers, usually female, to act as volunteers. 
As Bill stated, the first major decision we made about Album was, in retrospect, the major eventual cause of its demise. We decided to spend more than one half of our total assets into mailing actual first issues to more than a thousand individuals across the world. The idea, more optimistic than realistic, was that if these people saw the first issue, most of them would subscribe, meaning that we would break even. And don't forget, we're in the 60s now. You know, I mean, money is tainted. It's filthy lucre. You know, you did what you wanted to do out of idealism. In fact, if I'd made a lot of money, I would have felt guilty mm-hmm. that I wasn't doing anything valuable. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of inverted, sort of snobbery in a way. But, I mean, we took pride in our poverty and whatever. Yeah. Mm? Bill there explaining how he saw money. Let's hear a little bit more from Bill, shall we? And about Album Magazine. Bill Brandt helped me on the first issue. He did her own personal selection of his favorite pictures, you know, and all the rest of it, which is great. And in terms of layout, I didn't know how to produce a great layout, you know. I mean, I'd just been learning as I went along. So I went to Sir Roland Penrose, who was a friend of Man Ray's, and he was working in the Contemporary. See, and in those days, you didn't have any sense of inferiority. I mean, in other, well, at least I didn't. I mean, that shows a sort of conceit. When I was thinking of, well, how should this magazine look, my first question was, who is the best magazine and book designer in Britain? And Sir Roland Penrose's name came up. I mean, this was a sort of big international moment. And so I thought, well, then I should go and see him. I mean, I was absolutely sure that he would drop everything and help me, you know, a 25-year-old, you know. And he did. It was sort of crusading for taking photography seriously as a sort of a, a form of its own, you know. Bill had the perfect scenario, a patron who was allowing him to do whatever he wanted and a platform in Album Magazine where he could promote photography in the way he wanted it. There never seemed to be a shortage of willing young photographers, wrote Bill, usually female to act as volunteers. Chief among them were the Hargreaves twins. Sally Hargreaves was a particular stalwart who delighted in showing visiting photographers her report card from a photographic college in which she was awarded a zero in creative photography. Homer Sykes, also a student at the time, was selling photography subscriptions at college to Album Magazine. Many people in the photographic community had agreed to subscribe to the magazine. It seemed that everything was going well. I think he couldn't believe that someone would come along and uh, uh, at at the appropriate moment. And perhaps he was one of those people who um, thinks that serendipity played a part and and at the right moment, the right person came along. Luck plays such a part in these things. That I was so sure that once photographers all over the world saw the first issue, they would subscribe to it. Because it's the best photographic magazine in the world. I mean, why wouldn't they? Bill's passion and confidence in photography and what he does is clear here. 
We were purists. We were idealists. There was never an ad. In never an ad in Elba. No. We would do sort of nude uh, group pictures of this is the staff of album, whatever. We were getting big, good reputation. Um, <laughs> but uh, we couldn't keep paying the rent and whatever, so we had to fire everybody and move out. And David Hearn, I mean, this is the sort of guy he was, said, look, I've got a front room that I use as an office. I'm sure it's big enough. Why don't you just move in there and, you know, run album from my front room? It's at this point that David Hearn comes onto the scene with Album Magazine. And maybe this is where Jerry Badger got confused because David Hearn was an important part of Album, but not at the beginning when the magazine launched. As Bill has clearly shown and as Tristram has clearly shown, they were the key instigators of Album Magazine. But when it moves to David Hearn's flat, things get even stickier for Bill. David's uh, apartment in London at the time was a sort of DOS house for world-traveling photographers. So, I mean, there were always magnum photographers, you know, traveling through Ellie Derwitt and uh, uh, Bruce Davidson and uh, whoever. And, uh, uh, you know, when Don McCullin had just got out of Biafra, you know, and bring his new pictures to show, you know. I mean, so they're all sitting around, all these great world photographers. And here I am sort of living with them, basically, you know. And so it was sort of incredibly fruitful. And Joseph Kudoka, as soon as he got out of Czechoslovakia, was sleeping on the floor in the office. I had to sort of step over his body, you know, to get to my desk every morning, you know. And so it was, you know, that sort of real hectic, uh, you know, fluid, whatever. And bless, you know, Patrick Ward was a frequent visitor. And he would see that I was, you know, getting hungry. So we'd all go out to dinner together and he'd pick up my tab and photographers would come in and tuck pound notes into the typewriter keys, you know, I mean, just to help out. And so it was a really wonderful spirit. Um, but here I am alone now doing album. You know, the whole staff has gone. We've run out of money and, you know, and whatever. So I'm just living with David and producing the magazine from there. And that's where we leave Bill this episode. He's at David Hearn's flat. Things aren't looking good and he's on his own, but he's still producing Album Magazine. In next episode, we'll find out what happens next and also get a little bit more information about why it went wrong. This has been a United Nations of Photography production. All music was composed and played by Laura Ritchie. If you'd like to find out more about the film Do Not Bend, The Photographic Life of Bill J, visit www.donotbendfilm.com.